0: All right. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. Listen, this is live radio, live radio, live streaming and things, technical glitches happen. I am delighted uh, to welcome this morning um, Julia Bullock, who is who is uh, nominated for a Grammy, was nominated in November for a Grammy uh, for her work in, uh, as uh, in the category Best Classical Solo Vocal Album for Walking in the Dark with the Philhar- Philharmonica Orchestra and conductor Christian Reif. Am I saying your name right, Christian Reif? Yep, yeah, perfect. Christian Reif, who is conducting El Nino, Nativity Reconsidered for this performance. And they are here to talk about the American Modern Opera Company and the production of El Nino, uh, the Nativity Reconsidered uh, that's coming to the Swartzman in the in the by Friday, I think it's coming Friday, Friday. it's here Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're coming on to talk about this production, about uh the state of opera, I guess, and and how did she find her? How did y'all find your way to this medium of music? And and what's oh. the name of that cute baby? Yeah. <laughs> this is John Lucas. <laughs> oh, he is beautiful. So are uh, y'all are a couple. See, I didn't get that in the notes. <laughs> yes, we're we are. happily partnered (laughs) (laughs) all right that's that's a beautiful thing to see beautiful thing to see so tell me about this this production of el nino the nativity re Re reimagined
1: yes so um the the original piece el nino was written by john adams uh, the composer and peter sellers who uh, pulled a libretto together from uh, various sources and it's uh Christmas Oratorio um, that uh, is about two hours long in the original version. Um, it has <laughs> uh, two, cho- oh my goodness, and this is our El Nino. Um, it has two <laughs> um, uh, two choirs, adult and children's choir, full uh, orchestra with extended instrumentation and also um, six soloists. and. I fell in love with the piece many years ago uh, while just listening on a recording. Yeah. And I um, wanted to Bye find day. a way, <laughs> I wanted to find a way to bring the piece to as many people as possible oh. because the um, the resources needed to put on a large production like that uh, with a symphony orchestra are sort of immense. And so um, I devised this distillation of the piece. <laughs> Excuse us. <laughs> That's, listen, oh, I've had guys. four of those, so I oh, know. <laughs> I, I devised a distillation of this work um, to take the full two hours um, and uh, turn it into an hour long piece for chamber music ensemble and four soloists. Um, And it has enabled a lot of different places, like the Schwarzman Center, to uh, present this work that I think is just magical and um, tells the full nativity story in all of its miracles and also all of its um, uh, extreme challenges. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. It's a,
0: so, so a this, piece I'm really passionate a, about. It has a very specific Latin voice to it, though, right? As I as I'm reading the notes, because I get down to it, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So, so it's it celebrates Latin American poets and the voices of women, and is that part of why it's attracted to you because it's got this this different kind of relationship to to the nativity story? Yes, I mean, you know,
1: historically, when we think about or sorry, I, I guess I grew up in the Episcopalian church. So I was indoctrinated with the nativity story or the Christmas story um, through patriarchal Western European lenses most of the time. Um, and so to come across this piece, which uh, really centers, ah. as, you, as you said, the uh, Latinx poets and also voices of women um, and focuses on this unique relationship between birthing parent and child, um, it just, I think, opened up a whole, well, additional lens um, into this incredible story. And um, in some ways I think it, it takes like the, the most delicate and also the most sort of ferocious aspects of the story and brings them to the forefront. And mm. I think that's a no, uh, no small part to the fact that women are the ones who are articulating the experience.
0: Oh, I love this. So so you have a full-on orchestra. You've got a bunch of voices, you and some other folks who will be singing. Like, this is massive, I think. And you've <laughs> taken a two-hour uh, production and turned it into, what, an hour and mm-hmm. some minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and so the, the forces um, we wrote this for and I arranged the, the piece now for um, 19 instrumentalists and four singers. So the four singers um, are both the soloists in the piece, and also, they they um, they sing in very close harmony as as the chorus part as well. So it's very it it becomes much more intimate and much more um, uh, both fragile and and quite powerful because they're incredible artists. Um, so it's it's uh, it's a, yeah, we, we love this piece so much, and and we're so happy to to make this uh, in this distilled version available for more audience members and also more yeah more uh, ensembles.
0: So so Christian is this a is this is this kind of challenge conducting this kind of music with all these moving parts is that exciting to you is that daunting to you do you like oh, oh my god why are we doing this <laughs> <laughs> That's only the first day of rehearsal so.
2: <laughs> No it's what we love doing <laughs> No I, 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 uh, I mean I conduct all over the the world um, I'm I'm the chief conductor in Jävle in Sweden with an orchestra um, but um this project is very close to our hearts yes it's a passion project and um but yeah
1: i think what makes this particular performance really special is that um every single artist whether they're a part of the uh, instrumentalist ensemble or one of the four singers um everyone really has a um deep artistic practice for themselves and they invest themselves fully over the course of that hour of the piece. So and I their think, friends. And yes, trends, so all, all all friends. All friends and all
0: close though. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So it ends up, yeah, I think it's just it's a really um, joyful and intense experience.
0: Oh, I love it. And it's perfect for the holiday season, right? Because, you know, this is the season of mystery and magic and miracles. Oh, so
1: absolutely. And one one aspect of the nativity story, you know, while we can talk about all the gift giving um, And again, the the promise of new life and children and hopes that we have for the, or what they bring to us, (laughs) Um, the promise of of new life and what that brings to us. Um, I, this nativity story also talks about the aspects of life um, that are inescapable surrounding violence. And so the. Uh, reality of genocide and of forced displacement um, uh, and dehumanization. I mean, these are also core central themes to the Nativity story, uh, along with all of those miracles. And um, I think that this piece helps to recenter people's meditations on those themes.
0: So it can't be lost. Which we seem to need. We seem to need that. I'm just going to say, you know, Juliet, this can't be lost on you that this is quite timely. No. Yeah. no. I mean, I think every work of classic
1: art does that. Um, and really, when, I, when I'm when talking about classic art, I'm just talking about pieces that we want to return to over and over again. And every time we return to that material, we learn something from it. So, yes, this is classical music um, because it's transcribed and we're playing on uh, Western European instruments. but and uh, using our voices in a bel canto style, um, but really, it's just a—it's just a great friggin piece. <laughs> also, I mean, the, style, the styles
2: of the piece, uh, and it's really styles because uh, there's there's you know, kind of rock uh, in there. There's some pop. There's uh, um, s- spiritual gospel as well, but um, and all mixed in uh, together um, <laughs> with the uh, Western European classical tradition um so it's it's yeah it's very mm. timely absolutely and it's I think uh, very timeless timeless
1: <laughs> as well oh
0: I love it so do, do, does this feel like um opera is moving in a in a in a a more modern future like is it is it expanding itself like does stuff like this make opera uh accessible to like folks who probably wouldn't dig opera um i think that when performances
1: are shared and they're centering (laughs) and they're centering the human (laughs) beings who are making the art um there is no distance um and that will forever be modern because we're living people you know um it's not um they're not uh, museum pieces, and we are we are not <laughs> pieces in a museum either. Um, so, yes, I, th- I think for for pieces like this work, uh, which the full iteration of El Nino is also going to be presented at the Metropolitan uh, Opera in in the spring, and I'll be a part of that as well. Um, but um, also,
2: which, sorry, sorry. Also, um, if you consider the word opera. Mm the the Latin um, word it uh, means work, oh, and so it's not just a, a, a thinking opera. Oh, this is this this uh, European Western old museum tradition of singing, but it is about the work that we that we are putting in together mm-hmm. as a collective,
0: uh, so, and that is so, that
2: not that is very contemporary.
0: <laughs> I, I like that because I don't think people think about it that way. I don't think people think contemporary and opera in the same sentence. I think they think, you know, the stuff that we always know that we've seen at the Metropolitan Opera House, you know, big costumes and big singing and yeah. And old stories like old, you know, the Merchants of Venice. But they are now also, um,
2: of, I mean, contemporary opera is just opera that is written right now, right? And 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 there's uh, also the Metropolitan Opera um, is commissioning, and many many opera houses around the world are commissioning work that is being written right now that is dealing with all the the uh, the stories and the present um, topics that we are all dealing. And and mm. so that is exciting. That's also how we keep opera present and contemporary and valid and yeah relevant.
0: You know, I was I saw um um shut up in our bones at the Met, mm-hmm. um, Charles Blow's uh, story, uh, and that was beautiful. And I missed the uh, the X opera, uh, the one on Malcolm, Malcolm X, X. yeah, I yeah. missed that. And it had it looked like it visually had all the. The pomp and circumstance that you believe operas to have, you know, costuming and lighting, and, you know, and lots and lots of people on stage, you know. Um, so I didn't get a chance to see that, but I am fascinated by uh, the retelling of of the Nativity story from a Latinx Voices. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so talk, talk to me, Julia and Christian, how did y'all come to this music? Opera in itself, because y'all look like very young people. <laughs> we look it.
1: Thank you. <laughs> How do we come to this music yet? Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, I did not grow up listening to a lot of classical music other than to the Nutcracker and Peter and the Wolf. Um, but I went to a lot of, uh, you know, some performances of uh, music theater. And that's, and I, so I, I wanted to pursue musical theater for a long time. Um, but my stepfather, introduced me to classical Western European music um, when I was in my late teens. And because of the poetry, because of the way that the poetry also was illuminated in the music, um, and also just the amazing capability of the voices that I heard, I fell in love with the repertoire and it just sort of changed the course of my life. Um, But yeah, I guess, (coughs) my goodness, I just came to the material because I, excuse me, Lucas, uh, was yeah just drawn, just drawn to it, just um intuitively, instinctively drawn to it. We have never done talking about live radio things. I've never done an interview with babes in in arms on. Oh, camera. listen, a totally I, I adore it.
0: Listen, you should bring him to every every conversation because he, <laughs> he he is a beauty, and I've enjoyed <laughs> this. And... Um, but yes, I mean Christian.
1: Alternatively, I mean, he he grew up uh, playing piano, and um, he grew up in in Germany. He's uh, in southern Germany. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> South, South Germany. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, Munich area, um, and that's where we live now too. And okay. uh, yeah, no, I grew up in a very musical family, and, <gasps> and so music was always all around us, and. Um, uh, it was a very natural thing to, to go into, um, even though uh, there was never any pressure from our parents, um, uh, to do that. But, uh, now all three kids are in music professionally. <laughs> um, so, yeah.
1: But it's great. I mean, we, we ended up meeting, uh, while studying, uh, we both went to conservatory and, and we <laughs> met at, at Juilliard where we ah, were, ah. we met at Juilliard where we were still uh, studying. So, um, uh,
0: mm, that's where our relationship began i, I, I think that, that baby music. is going to be a singer too i think, <laughs> I, think <laughs> I hear i hear the he can hold a very good key i hear it so oh uh, okay <laughs> so y'all met in juilliard um do you find opportunities to to do this kind of music to to be contemporary with opera movies? Is that, is that your love? Like what is the, or do you go wherever the music calls you? You know what I mean? Like if they call you to, to do something other than, you know, this, do you do it?
1: Well, I feel really grateful that I've been essentially just been able to follow my life's passion, uh, from the moment that I was struck by this music and, um, I, every single project that I'm involved in, I make sure that the people who are involved and also even the subject matter is something that I want to spend my time doing because time, I think especially in these last few years, it's really shown all of us how precious our time is and we we don't need to waste our energies or resources on things that um, aren't going to enrich our lives in some way. So... Um, I, mean, I can like I can let you speak for yourself, but I, I do feel that's also certainly true for Christian. Yeah.
0: So, so Julia, are you are you seeing many people of color in this in this world now, like in, in opera and singing this music? I'm seeing more of it, but I yes, I I'm, am. I'm a patron of the arts. I'm not an you know, I'm not a theater on stage. So are you yeah. starting to see more people sort of uh, of people of color doing this music, singing this music, being invited to this music?
1: Yes, and I I, I think um, more people of color are able to sustain themselves as well in this industry because there was definitely a period of time early on when, or earlier on, (laughs) um, when artists of color were um, sort of kept to a handful, a very select handful, and um, key slotted into certain roles um, and in order to satisfy whatever um, the needs were for a a presenter, Um, whether they wanted to be socially relevant or, uh, but it it was um, uh, the, it was, as you said, it was not inviting environment and people had to work very hard, I think, to hold on to the, tenuous position that they had. Um, So I I do feel that our field is becoming more and more open as the months and years go on. And what I think is the most important thing to think about is not just how people enter into the industry, but also can they sustain themselves and actually have a life in music? Um, Because people don't usually go into, don't choose to be performers. unless they're investing themselves fully into it. And uh, it's a real shame when there are limitations, external limitations put on that prevent that life force and drive from really evolving.
0: Mm, mm. So Christian, when you are conducting, I mean, you are a principal conductor. Um, Does that, I guess that allows you to to take other conducting opportunities um, that's, that can fit into your life.
2: Yo, uh, absolutely
0: I'll be, sorry, I'll be right back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um so I I most of my gigs, the engagements are a week long when I guest conduct in other orchestras. Um with the orchestra that, that I have a longer standing relationship, I well, I go there every year or every other year. And then others um like the orchestra in in the, in, Jävle in Sweden. Um, I go there eight weeks per season, and others, or like the, the, the Lakes Area Music Festival, where I'm music director of in Minnesota. I go there every summer and for four weeks to perform. And um, it's it's very exciting. It's beautiful to to um, have these friendships with the orchestras, with the musicians, and then um, and then make music together. Yeah.
0: Mm. Now in your, in your travels, when you're a guest orchestra, when you're, uh, when you're doing, when you're guest conducting, are you noticing the the differences in the audience these days? Like, are are you noticing uh, the demographics of the audience, the age of the audience, you know, and do you know um, what sort of music brings a certain type of audience? Like, I know there are people who just only want to hear Mozart. They don't want to hear relatively new stuff. They like what they like do you, do you see the do you find challenges in that in and and deciding on what to play and what attracts whom
2: i it's it that's a very good and interesting question and it, there's no blanket answer because also every community is different and every community of every city um and so you want to to engage the communities of the orchestras of the cities that you are in. And so um, how I program my programs, I always try to find a balance of very, of, of the, um, the canonic, so to speak, repertoire that everyone knows, the Mozart, the Beethoven, the Brahms, whatever, um, but always have uh, a, a variety of pieces on there that are maybe not as known, but are absolutely, um, great pieces or have been written by mag- uh, marginalized composers um that i want to introduce to the audience uh-huh. and and there are all of the programs all of the music that i conduct that i program i believe in uh-huh. I, and i love and so uh, it's always a it's a beautiful variety and um it i do see a shift in in some of the uh, the audiences definitely covid has been a bit of a um, well quite a dip in many many cities for audience members um, so coming back to the uh, theater coming back to the orchestras um, is definitely something we're all working for um, but yeah it's I think uh, western classical music uh, any music really has the ability to to move us and inspire us and sometimes hold a mirror in front of us and um inspire us to strive for better and that's what music is for us really and and uh, and to be in community with others to listen to each other and so uh that's what we try to do everywhere we go and i think that does speak to uh, all demographics and uh so yeah it's it's a very good question with no blanket answer. Sorry. <laughs>
0: no, that no, that's you know because I I, I often wonder because um, you know I, I'm a fan of the New Haven Symphony Orchestra here and Alistair Neal. Yeah, and he's a good friend. The, oh, and he's he's just divine, and I love the way that he has um, uh, educated this community on 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 some uh, some composers who would have been lost to history um, had he not come and and the symphony resurrected, um, um, some women, you know, Helen Hagen and, um, uh, Margaret Bonds and, you know, and, and folks like that. So, so it's been amazing, uh, but, but, um, I, I've uh, talked a lot with him about how do you balance out, you know, um, some more interesting, uh, music, more different music than people are used to versus the stuff that people, uh, just want to hear. Like people want to know that, you know, they've got, some Chopin on the, on the program or some Brahms or whatever it is. And, and if it's not a composer that they they know, you know, how much educating do you have to do to get them up to speed and hopefully they'll fall in love with it as you present it. Do you know what I mean? Like I I always think about conductors facing that, like, how do I get these people to love this music? (laughs) Well, um, I think part, part
1: of our job, not just as musicians is not just performing the material uh but it's also researching and in many ways yeah we are uh, i hope I, i'm not offending any anyone who's uh, uh uh immersed in history as their life's work but or an anthropologist but i think we're kind of musical anthropologists and what has moved me so much as um in, even in my own programming um choices is Uh, trying to find the ways that things uh, resonate in multiple ways. And if you can bring those resonances forward consciously in people's minds, when they hear a work that they're already familiar with, but then understand, oh, right, the connection that uh, with another piece that maybe they don't know is through the historical uh, time in which it was written, or maybe the composers grew up or were born in the same city, or... Um, what, what, whatever it is. And it's like these, just these small things. And again, these are human, uh, these are details about human beings and um, sharing the, the context for why things were written and when they were written. I think that helps anyone, everyone to um, connect not only with the music, but then to connect with the experience uh-huh. of listening to the material. And yeah, at least personally, that's what draws me. Back and back and back into the concert hall, and then also into the practice room.
0: You know? <laughs> I love it. All right, so one last question, because I know you, you all have to go because you have got lots, lots to do. Uh, what are y'all listening tonight. to? <laughs> <I know. laughs> what are y'all listening to? Are you listening to Beyonce? Are you listening to who are you listening to? Are you listening to Samara Joy? What do you? What's on your playlist? Are you just listening to classic classical music, or do you just like rock out to? you know, Aerosmith. Like, what are you listening to? <laughs> during, <laughs> Although um, y'all might research, be a little young for Aerosmith, but I, no, my, I, um, my point um, of reference.
2: Research, I do listen to a lot of classic music, just kind of to get to know what is out there that I don't know, you know, and, and want to program, for mm-hmm. instance. But our playlist right now, we put a beautiful playlist together for Lucas and and <laughs> of pieces that we love, of, of artists we love. Uh, w- whether that's uh, Carol King or
0: uh, Oh my or gosh, Ediths
2: yes, or
1: <laughs> Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder,
2: uh, Joe Cocker, <laughs> Ray Charles, and uh, or German, I put some German singer songwriters in there, Konstantin Wecker, <laughs> Reinhard May, and all those, and and we also this have
1: huh? uh, this this
2: some musicals in there, musical theater. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah, that's our that's what we're <laughs> listening to right now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. But my my I would say my like primary love of music um, voices that I return to are m- most like kind of seventies singers, um, or at least were really popular then. So like Nina Nina yeah, Simone, is, um, I just love love her voice and and uh, inter- yes. yes, would you like some more mango? Um, love her voice and interpret and just interpretive skills, um, but also I mean my gosh, Jimi Hendrix and um mm-hmm. okay Lucas it's the end of the interview you got it um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah Pink Floyd and all I mean I, I yeah psychedelic music so
0: you sort of, you seem you know. so young to know this music like were your parents playing this music yes. and you just okay they were I mean I yeah right. I grew up listening to LPs and like listening to the whole
1: album on an LP you know yeah so, and on on not just in little earphones but uh on loudspeakers so um <laughs> yeah i guess my experience with music is like full body (laughs) and um i also i'm for any performance i'm giving i'm also hoping the audience is getting like a full body experience
0: (laughs) i love it well i i will my me and my friends my friends and i will be in the audience Um, hopefully i'll get a chance to say (laughs) hi to y'all but i hope you do yeah i'm looking forward to this performance i i'm so glad that y'all had time to talk to me today because this really makes me more excited to sort of see y'all and you know hear y'all genuinely
2: our pleasure our pleasure well thanks for having us
0: oh it's my pleasure and uh, hug that baby he's beautiful (laughs) and thank him for being part of the show today i I absolutely (laughs) loved it
1: so did we thank (laughs) you (laughs)
0: Thank you so much. All right. I'll see you, see you later, on Friday. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you. All right, Harry Joes, we are on our way out. Thank you all for w- another wonderful conversation with uh, Julia Bullock and uh, Christian Reif. They are going to be uh, performing at uh, the Schwarzman Center, and they're going to be doing uh, El Nino, uh, The Nativity Reimagined. Um, and it's uh, uh, the Nativity reconsidered by the American Modern Opera Company, and uh, I'm I'm fascinated and excited. So, uh, thank you all. Thank you, Harry.